Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast with your How host. about them boilers? <laughs> I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And uh, Casey and I are celebrating uh, the Purdue victory over the terrifying Scarlet mm-hmm. Knights of Rutgers. Uh, we snapped their their winning streak over top 25 teams, and uh, we vanquished the, uh, the bad vibes from that half-court shot earlier in the season. Purdue wins by 12. And I know that is exciting, and we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show. Uh, but since Purdue does not have a game coming up uh, until after our next episode, we're going to put off any game previews, and we are going to talk about the Big Ten race and the Michigan, Jawan Howard, and Wisconsin Greg Gard situation because that is wild. Yeah, it was. What a fun day for Big Ten basketball. Yeah, so – before we get into the really fun part of that, um, so Purdue, Wisconsin, and Illinois now all sit at 12-4 and four on the season. Three-way tie for first place. Oh, oh, hold on. We're one game oh, ahead of them now. Yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 13-4. Well, yeah, 13-4. My standings had not updated. Uh, so, yeah, we're 13-4. and four. Uh, Wisconsin and Illinois, 12-4. and four. So we're, we're half a game ahead. Uh, Purdue now with just three games left in the conference, whereas uh, Wisconsin and Illinois both with four. Uh, and Wisconsin has to go to Rutgers, so uh, that could help Purdue out quite a bit because Rutgers has been very tough at Jersey Mike's Sub Sandwich Shop Arena there in Piscataway. Do you know what's fun, Ledman? What's that? Uh, when you pull up the Big Ten standings on ESPN, uh-huh. it shows the rate uh, your record against top 25 opponents as well. Okay, yeah. And Illinois is 3-3, three and three, okay. respectable. Wisconsin, 4-3. and three. Very good. Ohio State, three and three. Rutgers, five and two. Unbelievable. Crazy, right? Yeah. Purdue's five and one. Really? Big time boilers. Let's go. Wow. I guess I hadn't really thought of that. We don't lose the right teams. We lose the worst teams. Well, yeah, that's that's true. Um, so I mean, it's gonna be a very exciting Big Ten stretch. Three games left. 
Purdue, of course, no real games off, you know, as we come down the stretch. We don't get a second game against Penn State or uh, or uh, Nebraska. We've got to go to Michigan State, go to Wisconsin, and then play at home versus IU. So three pretty tough days, games. We get days off, yes. which is something new. Yeah, I mean, today we're recording this on the 20th when Purdue just defeated Rutgers. The next game for Purdue is going to be Saturday the 26th. So uh, these boys should have the freshest legs they've had in about a month and a half. Not only just fresh legs. With five days to work on something, you can add things. Right, All the stuff that you've learned during the season that you've struggled with and or things that people are scouting for you, you have a full season of data to see how they're attacking you defensively, offensively. I'm thinking more, you know, with offensive sets, we get five full days to put some counters in. And I am very excited to see what we'll have going up to East Lansing. Yeah. And I think that plays into one of Matt Painter's strengths, because I know he's had uh, a couple bad games in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But if you give Matt Painter enough time, he finds a way to beat a team. And he's got a pretty darn good record in the first round of the tournament, including when Purdue is the underdog seed. So um, giving giving him uh, those five days to get ready for Michigan State, I think will give Purdue a pretty good advantage, even though the game is in East Lansing. You never like to go up north. No. Because Michigan sucks. <laughs> but Michigan State is not the Michigan State we feared uh, here in the last couple years. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this more on Wednesday, but uh, it's not that they're a, not completely a paper tiger, but uh, they're a bit overrated in my opinion. I think they're ranked, what, currently like 19th? I think paper tiger is the right word because they look like a tiger. You look <laughs> at them, they're all like 6'8 and athletic, and you're like, oh, this team's scary. They're wearing Michigan State jerseys. Uh, Icky Izzo is coaching them. Is that a is that a trademark nickname you've just given him there? Yeah, because he's very. Are we icky. still working on it? Okay, he's very icky. All right, no, I'm good with it. I th- okay, I think we should print T-shirts. Uh, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, you watch them play, and it's like, oh, they don't know how to play basketball, so that's <laughs> right. a problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then after Michigan State, of course, Purdue goes into Wisconsin. It'll be interesting to see uh, after this kerfuffle today between the two teams. Uh, if there's going to be any suspensions on the Wisconsin side, um, it didn't look like the majority of their players were involved, but you just never know what other camera angles uh, saw or what's going to happen there. So I think much more to come on that. Jacoby Neath or me. Yeah. Number zero, right? Yeah. Number zero. It looked like he was yeah, getting in the scrum. Oh yeah. He's not a big time player. for them. Though. No. Yeah. He's, he's not a guy that it, it really matters. No offense to him. Uh, if he gets suspended. I mean, it's, it's trash. It's just the plague on Howard's house. Yeah. So uh, we'll just go ahead and jump right into that because this is what Casey and I really wanted to talk about today. Uh, <laughs> so for those that did not watch, um, Michigan went up to Wisconsin to play today. Um, Michigan State, or State, Michigan uh, did not really play well behind for most of the game in the second half. Most of the second half, Wisconsin really pulled away. And I, I don't know the exact time in the game, but... Uh, guard in Wisconsin had some of their backups in. I believe there were some walk-ons in there, maybe even. And uh, Howard was still pressing, and guard took a timeout. I, I think it was under a minute left uh, to kind of give his his guys a chance to Less reset. Less than twenty seconds left. I do okay, believe. so. He called a timeout under if it was around 20 seconds left or less to let his guys get reset uh, because he wanted them to get it across the timeline instead of turning it over. Apparently, Howard took offense to that, and then with like 13 seconds down 15, Michigan fouled. 
intentionally to send him to the line, which just makes no sense. Um, and then the fireworks started in the handshake line. You could hear the announcers saying, you know, Juwan Howard has not joined the handshake line. He's hanging back a little bit there, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you see him come up and you he uh, – I want to get the video up because I want to be fair to everybody I, in this situation. I, there's video you can see of someone on the court and you see him avoid the walk-up line. Usually it's the head coaches that start it. One-on-one. Correct, yeah. quick and through. He – Walked around, avoided it, showed up at the very end, and right as he got to guard, he said, I'll remember that. And that's when guard, granted, he put his hands on Howard, probably shouldn't have done that. Definitely yeah, shouldn't he kinda, have done that. It, and, but, I mean, it wasn't, an, I mean, it was argue whether it was aggressive or not, but it was more like, like, put out his arm and grabbed Howard by the right arm to kind of like, hey, what, let's talk about this. It, yes. You can definitely infer that it was not an aggressive act. Um, you still probably don't do it. Right. But... The same, so it comes down to, okay, he did that. You're you're mad about that, whatever. He immediately, Howard immediately went to guard shirt, grabbed him. Grab, yeah, grabs the collar. And started pointing in his face, like everything from that is the most gigantic overreaction. Just, you are a leader of men supposed to be an example. And you are, first of all, you're throwing a fit about something that happened with 15 seconds left in the game. Because you don't agree that Wisconsin should be playing anymore in any capacity. But you're pressing full court. Yeah. Don't give me that. You can't have it both ways. Right, right. If you're going to play full tilt, you have to allow the other team to play full tilt. Yeah, because Guard uh, explained this in his presser. He called it when the timeout was called. I think he might have called it. There were four seconds left to get it across midcourt. He's got walk-ons in there going against the press. And, he's, and he just flat out, I'm not going to put them in that situation. They're they're walk-ons, they're guards. They're not going to be good against a full-court press. Right. He wanted to give them all 10 seconds to break it and then not take a shot and run the clock off. Howard, you started this. Coach Jawan Howard started it by pressing that late and then threw a giant hissy fit because the other coach tried to protect his guys. And then you're in a walk-up line, shaking hands. You have this performative art piece where you're avoiding the line, walking back around, and then coming to the end, and then run your mouth. I'll remember that. Just, ooh, spooky. <laughs> and then, yes, guard shouldn't have touched him. But guard was trying to like, hey, now let's talk this out so nothing goes further than this, is what right. it seemed like his intention was. And then immediate, just physical, there was no reason to be physical there. Certainly yeah, not I mean, in that aggressive way. And I think you have to remember when you're looking at these two guys, I mean, Juwan Howard, uh, former star basketball player, both in Seven college feet in, tall. and the NBA, uh, incredibly athletic, big, tough guy. Greg Gard looks like your uncle who's had a few too many pieces of pie at Thanksgiving. Um, so it is not as if Juwan Howard was probably not intimidated by Greg Gard coming up to him and grabbing his arm. Um, but, I mean, if I'm Greg Gard and a, <laughs> and a guy like Juwan Howard comes and grabs my shirt around the collar, I'm going to be like, oh, shit. He is uh, much bigger than I am. So, that that had to have been a little little worrying for guard because again Juwan Howard uh, still in pretty good shape you know not too too far removed from his playing days um, and then after that like you said there was a bunch of yelling there was pushing and shoving players get in, get involved and in trying to break up the two of them and then I don't know if something else was said to push Howard just a little bit further over the edge but. Suddenly, Howard, he kind of rears back almost like he was going mm -hmm. to punch, but then he, like, opens his hand, and he smacks 
who turns out to be uh, Joe Krabinoff. It was uh, like a smack and grab, so it wasn't yeah. a punch, but like pretty much as bad to hit someone over the top of the head and then try to grab their face. Yeah, and like uh, it does. I mean, it looks like he wants to punch so bad. He wants to pull he... him towards him so he can punch him. Would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, you can see him. He rears back. He's got. I'm like, like I'm literally watching the video right now. He's got his his fist coming forward right at about his face, and it's still kind of clenched. And then he kind of lets it go and smacks Kravinov on the left side of the face and like strikes downward. So he's like dragging across his face. Uh, and I mean, after that, all the players get involved. Uh, some t- at least two Michigan players threw punches. Um, and I mean, Daya Kabir, whatever his name is, threw about nine of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you 100% one person caused all of that to happen. It was one person overreacting for the second time in yes, the span of about is, a year. That is fair to point out because Juwan Howard has done this before. Um, he did this to, um, was it, I don't remember where Mark the game Turgeon. was. Yeah, but I mean, I know it was Mark Turgeon, but I can't remember where, um, the I game was. I believe it was at Maryland, but there weren't fans? Uh, could have been, could have been. Yeah, so one of the guys from Michigan who has thrown some punches was, uh, number five, Terrence Williams the second. Uh, I, I don't believe he plays a whole lot, but, uh, I expect him to get, uh, a little bit of a punishment there, so, uh, yeah, but yeah. that little. No, well, yeah, that's fair. So this is, I mean, Howard got in Mark Turgeon's face last year uh, following a game in the handshake line yet again. So uh, there is a precedent for this. No, that was in-game. Oh, that was in-game. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It, I mean. I believe it was near half court. Okay. I, I just, the only thing I can think is, is you know, as we, as I said, Howard, great player in college, great, you know, long career in the NBA. And he just seems to still have a player's mentality where he's got to go out there and, and he's got to make sure his voice is heard and he's got to talk his shit. And you just can't do that when you're expected to be the leader of 18 and 22-year-olds, you know, uh, because they're going to take their cues from you. And if you watch the video, you can see the players from Michigan looking so proud of themselves after after uh, they get in the faces and throw their punches, the camera kind of swings around and it's looking directly at, like I said, number five. And uh, I'm trying to wa- let the video play here so I can see who else it is. Uh, number five and maybe number uh, four. His number is his uh, blocked. So it may be Brandon Wade, but I don't want to disparage anybody here. Um, but I mean, no, they just it looked- was 14, Musa. Okay. Diabetes. Okay. Oh, yes, you are right, because I, I could just see the four on his jersey. I couldn't see if there was anything before it or not. But, uh, I mean, you can't have them being so proud of themselves in that situation. Um, and, and in the post-game press conference, Howard did not apologize. No, he feels justified, and that's yeah. the problem. He felt justified both times. I just rewatched the the Maryland incident. He had to be held back by four guys for 40 was, consecutive it, seconds in the middle in of game. a game. Okay. In the middle of a game. He crossed half court, stared down Maryland, uh, Coach Turgeon, and then it turned into whatever. So it's even simpler than you're an example for men. There is a clear defined line between being a hothead, yelling, getting mad, and physical violence. Right. And he has crossed it, and he wanted to cross it the last time, but got held back. This time, uh, people weren't quick enough to pull him away, but this is, that's scary. Yeah. Uh, I am not. You know, there's a lot of people out there that got to be tough. You got to whatever. Violence is a clear to fine line. And for a coach to have that kind of behavior 
I don't, I mean, that's why it horrified me that Bob Knight was ever allowed to coach or, you know, exalted in the way he was. Oh, I mean, and he still is. And this, this is like, everyone's drawing the line that it's worse that coaches hit like kids or students. Like that makes this better. Right. Like, yeah. If, if, if your argument is, if your argument is, well, he hit a coach, not a student. Yeah. You're like, Oh, you're really, really splitting hairs here. Yeah. Like it, it's the person that would do the first thing would do the second thing. Right. In a second. I so mean, it, it, the, the only comparison of course, that, that immediately comes to mind is when Woody Hayes from Ohio state just punched a player, uh, while on the sideline during a game. Um, and of course he kind of was fired near almost immediately was shamed. And of course now half the Ohio state fans love him again, but that's, you know, it, I just wonder, and I want to ask you, what do you think Michigan is going to do? Because from my understanding, the big 10 rules state that the big 10 can only, only has the power to suspend someone for two games unless they go to their like joint committee on blah, 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 which they hardly ever do. Um, so anything beyond two games is going to have to come from Michigan. I want to ask uh, you two different questions. What do you think they should do? And what do you think they will do? <sighs> I mean, it's tough. I, if you're asking like strictly personal, like I'm firing him because yeah, yeah. I'm, that's what I mean. I, I don't I have what any patience. Do, I don't and have I any patience. Know what you think they'll do. Yeah. I fire him because I have no patience for person to person. I've never been in a fight, Lemon. I have never intentionally, physically hurt someone. Like, can't stand it. I have no patience for it. And that's just, it, it's a handshake line. And you're not emotionally stable enough to handle that. I'm sorry. You're not. All because, all because of a timeout. Yeah. You're not fit to be the leader of men. You're not fit to make a sh crap ton of money or represent my university. I don't want you there. You're gone. What's going to happen? I'm assuming close to a season long suspension. There's not many games left. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. I guess um, it, it's tough, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. If it, if it were my decision, if I'm the AD or the president of Michigan, he's gone. Um, because I'm sure after the incident with Turgeon last year, I'm sure someone talked to him and said, look, you know, this isn't the kind of behavior we want associated with the University of Michigan. We hold ourselves to a high level, blah, 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 blah. And ultimately, you got to conduct yourself better. So they, I'm sure there was some sort of warning behind the scenes. And then you do something like this, which is going to be all over uh, every news channel. It's going to be over ESPN, FS1, um, any anywhere you're going to see sports for the next probably 24, 48 hours, you're going to see this clip of the University of Michigan head basketball coach causing a fight and slapping a uh, an assistant coach for an opposing team in the face. No apology. And, yeah, and, and then no apology. It'll be the clip of him saying he does not apologize or – I'm not sure the exact quote, but he, what, I mean, he didn't he offer said, an apology. He didn't mean for his players to act the way he did. Yeah. <laughs> but didn't apologize for it. Didn't recognize yeah. it as wrong. Yeah, and and to for Michigan to sit there and say that that would represent their university while they're paying him approximately two point two million a year uh, is questionable. I agree with you though that I don't think they'll fire him. I think they're going to probably suspend him indefinitely or without pay, whatever language they want to use for the rest of the season because they're not going to the tournament. Um, there's no reason, especially now that I'm sure they're going to have guys suspended and 
they're probably not going to be uh, causing much ruckus in the Big Ten tournament. So I would imagine he's going to be gone for the rest of the season, and then he'll probably come back next year. And he'll, there'll be some sort of apology he'll be forced to do and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I don't I don't have a lot of faith that Michigan is going to do what I, you and I both deem to be the right thing. I like I feel I would feel worse about Michigan fans if they took this one on the chin, no pun intended, uh, and like owned up to their coach crossed the line. You can't do it. There, there's no way to soften it. I there is a bigger race question about how we deal and talk about black coaches, yeah, and absolutely. black athletes. That is yeah, absolutely and, a real thing. And there were there were a lot of people because I I happened to be watching the game live and saw it happen and tweeted and it was like oh my god there's a fight and like the threw a punch um and some people in my mentions were like oh well Jawan Howard's always been a thug and I'm like oh well then yeah, I don't care it. about it's like I don't care about your opinion then your your opinion means nothing to me um but I mean I think there were certainly some Michigan fans also who were saying well Greg Gard started it and I was like but did he like I, I saw the video and yes he touches his arm and. Somebody even said, well, he called that timeout. I'm like, man, you have yeah, got that's... to like if, – if you think calling a timeout is enough for someone to get slapped in the face, I am real concerned about what you do in your everyday life. Yeah, and I think the point – it would be one thing if this was an isolated incident, but this is two times now that Juwan Howard was angry with another coach, and how did how did he resort? He resorted to violence to deal with it. Yeah. He wanted to last time with Turgeon who was not, like, Turgeon didn't touch him first. This is a pattern now. And, look, we don't cover same things the same way. But I cannot imagine a coach doing what he did, whatever color skin it is, right now in this day and age, and anyone feeling okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I saw some people were like, well, Bob Knight got to play through more than this. I mean, he threw a chair across the floor. He, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. And I, I mean, I think he should have been fired years ago yeah. uh, when he did that. But at the same time, you do have to understand that was, you know, 40 years ago. Yeah, so it does. A lot does, of problem in the 80s. It, yeah. It does make a difference as to when something happens. I mean, you know, there was a time when you could say a lot of disparaging things toward minorities and women and you could get away with them. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it's okay now. Of course, it wasn't okay then, but you could get away with it. You know, there's we have evolved as a society and therefore your actions may may have different consequences than they did 20, 30 years ago because we've realized what you should and shouldn't do in certain circumstances. And I think. Howard might have gotten away with this much easier in the past. Right. Uh, but now uh, I think he's going to be in at least some trouble, but not as much as we would like. Yeah. If Brad Underwood doesn't take a swing at anyone, oh, yeah. he's like the maddest person in the world. But <laughs> yeah. there's a clear line. Yeah. And Underwood you... looks like looks like he's about to have an aneurysm or a heart attack on the sideline just about every game. Yeah. Like there are a lot of angry coaches. And like I when we had hold as a defensive coordinator, I didn't like it that he was so angry at players. I, it made me uncomfortable. I wanted him gone for that reason. But, like, there's still a clear line between anger and yeah. being a hothead and physical violence. He started what could have been an Ron Artest, <laughs> Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> Those guys were suspended for a whole season because they instigated less than Jawan Howard did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Until they got, they got a, into the... State. Well, yeah. yeah, but I mean, the guy threw a beer on our test. Right. So, I mean, he didn't even really start anything in that right. circumstance. Right. But like that whole stadium could have got ugly real yeah. quick. Yeah. And it did yeah. get ugly. You had 20 college athletes getting caught up in a coach's anger and inability to just 
just walk away. If you're that angry, you don't need to be at the back of the line to get your, oh, remember that line. Yeah. Just say that to the press afterwards. Go cool off. Stop being a yeah. hothead. And and I was watching a game. Um, we were we were watching the end of this uh, Michigan-Wisconsin game. Uh, my in-laws are here, and my father-in-law was like, why do that there? You know, you're going yeah. back you're going back to the locker rooms, you know, where, you know, you're going to see each other back there. If you have something to say to him, say it back there. And then if you want to punch him, it's not going to be on film. Yeah. It, it, performative art. And then he's just got a, yeah, whether it's because like you said, he still has a player mentality that you can't get punked. It's just, that's, you are responsible for all of those young men and you can't de-escalate that situation. Yeah. It does feel like that's what guard was trying to do. Like, hey, let's not walk away this game with you angry. Let me explain why I did that. He touched him. Yes, that that's on guard. You probably should have just let him walk away then. But he was, you know, trying to be like, hey, this, whatever. And then just overreaction. And yeah. someone could, apparently there is an injury on Wisconsin's side. It's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Don't know what it is. That's all on Howard. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so I'm sure there will be fallout from this. I don't know how if it's going to affect the Big Ten race or not. I don't know if anybody from Wisconsin other than number zero there is going to be suspended, but it could have an impact on when Purdue plays him. So we'll see. Um, so that was it was an exciting day in the Big Ten. Um, that's enough on this situation. We're mm-hmm. going to take a break, come back, and cover Purdue's victory over Rutgers. And we are back to cover Purdue's victory over the Scarlet Knights. As I said at the top, 84-72. to Purdue gets revenge for their first loss of the season uh, following that Ron Harper Jr. just beyond half-court shot to uh, put Rutgers over the top. So now Rutgers had to come into Mackey, and it was not as nice for them as the uh, Jersey Mike's uh, homemade meatball sub arena. <laughs> and they walk out. Do they uh, have meatballs? Does Jersey Mike's have meatballs? I don't know. I've eaten at a Jersey Mike's, I believe, one time. I, I see them more Surely. as like a, a turkey cut sandwich place. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think if you sell subs, I think you're required by law to have a meatball sub. Mm. Uh, but either way, uh, <laughs> Purdue walks away with a victory, 84-72. It was a really enjoyable game, really fun to watch. Um, Purdue had a lot of really good performances, especially uh, in the first half when Purdue really needed to uh, look good on offense to start the game, they came out shooting uh, pretty darn hot. Mason Gillis with two threes and Sasha Stefanovic with two. Uh, Bank well. and Trey. Uh, we and, love to and, see and, it. And Trey got his own three-pointer, so that was uh, pretty good as well. Casey, I know it, you talked about in the last podcast how the first time these two teams played, Trevion Williams and Zach Eady just kind of feasted down low, and that seemed to kind of be uh, the story again this time. Uh, for those two, uh, what did you think of their play today? That was the best Trey's played in a while. Um, yeah, yeah, he was he was five of five from the floor at one point. Yeah, I don't look. I'm glad that we saw that Trey step back. It's clear that was that was some of the stuff he was working on in the off season. I don't think I want to see it again. <laughs> um, but just for him to have that in his bag, pretty nice. Uh, he controlled himself in the paint. He's Rutgers is a bright team for him to really take advantage of. Uh, he can really bully them and get all over the place. The, the shimmy shake into the baseline turnaround off glass, that's probably the prettiest shot in college basketball. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. Uh, and breaking news, Jersey Mike's does not have a meatball sub, so continue. Another win for me. I know. <laughs> Hot today. Someone someone may have messaged you right before the okay. game. Okay, fine. We're going to get into Come this on. now. Come okay, on. Okay, so... 
Let's uh, go. Casey and I, obviously, we're in the Hammer and Rose group chat, but we have our own group chat to talk about the podcast and what we're going to talk about. Uh, at 1.01 p.m., yes, I know the exact time, Casey sends me a message. We win by 12 today. Following that I message, no chance. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't have. To, I wasn't gonna say the second part. I was happy. I, just I don't being believe right. you. I don't believe you. I but was. I, I know. <laughs> I knew if I didn't say it, you were gonna say it. I so was, I was gonna let it go. I, Casey I, called I, a twelve. Casey called a twelve point victory four and a half hours before tip off. Purdue, of course, wins exactly by twelve. So kudos to him on that one. I can't take it. Can't take anything away from him there. Yeah. Um. Really encouraging. Okay, so why why were you so confident? Let me ask you that. First of all, I thought Harper wasn't going to play. Right. Oh, <laughs> definitely helped. Second of all, even if he did play, I didn't think he would be great because it's really hard to play with fingers taped together. Um, I, I think a lot of it is I just – our bigs really dominated them in the first game. We had Mackey behind us, and we had rest, so I figured we would shoot better than we did the first game. Most of that came to uh, – came to a head and honestly i just I, we talked about this briefly as well i think we're gonna find with this into the season that that bad stretch of purdue play which once again only led to one loss was a result of having a crazy schedule where we had no days off for a full month pretty much. yeah 23 days so i was just I, i'm confident that this team is more like what we saw at the beginning of the season and we're going to get back to that and as as much as rutgers can get into us on defense and we saw that at stretches when we you know had three or four minute stretches where we didn't score this team is a mismatch for pretty much everyone in the country and it's because we are way too big and everyone can shoot normally yeah uh I, oh go ahead no I, and you know we have Jaden ivy was not going to keep playing this badly no and the biggest thing ball movement and people moving around we had five guys with three assists yeah or more Edie, yeah once again one of them yeah Edie's, Edie's passing has really, really improved it's so good uh, throughout now. this season. I mean, even from, you know, obviously it's in, improved from last year, but I mean, from the beginning of the year to mm-hmm. now, uh, I think him and Trey must be having some sessions during practice uh, because his court vision has just gotten a lot better and he's finding the open man when we need him to. Yeah, he's learned how to anticipate and feel the court. So he knows where cutters are coming, where help's coming from, and he knows where his guys are supposed to be. And he finds them. That I mean, that's what Trey does a lot of the time. And to have two guys that can do that now, and if we start making jump shots again, that's how we had a historically good offense for most of the season. Yeah, most of the season. Yeah, combined the two of, of them, Edie and Williams, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Is that good? Yeah. That, that Would is, we like uh, that in a player? That is pretty good. Yeah, so it it's encouraging because – we're starting to see all these pieces kind of come together. Gillis is at this point with the looks he gets a 50% three point shooter. Yeah. He was two for four today. It's, it's hard to argue. His shot is consistent the same every time. And he always has space. Um, you know, Sasha is Sasha takes the toughest shots on our team. Yes. Which is insane. That's why it's why it hurts his percentages. I think mm-hmm. so often because I mean, he's coming hard off those screens. He's moving, moving so hard when he gets the ball that oftentimes I don't know how he makes the shots that he does. Yeah. I mean, he, his easiest look at the game, he did miss. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wide open on the left side and just in and out, but he came up like the same exact possession because we got the ball back. He makes this difficult catch and shoot, turning his hips uh, fully around as he shoots three in the same possession so 
it's wild. We need him to take every one of those shots. Yeah. We need the entire defense to panic on him the whole time. And then, you know, when we have fresh legged Ivy, when he looks like literally he's in rocket boosters, he's got rocket boosters at two levels going forward and up. It's insane. Yeah. I don't understand. Again, I, I mean, we've said this a hundred <laughs> times. I don't understand what he does when he gets in the air. I don't, I don't understand how he has that type of body control, how he seems to hang in the air longer mm-hmm. than anyone. Uh, I just don't get it. Yeah, and he's able to hang in the air. Uh, he found Gillis on a three in transition. Yeah, that was beautiful. He hung up in the air, got triple teamed, and they'll still found a way, like offhand behind his back, throwing it backwards to him. It, it's mesmerizing. And then you watch him. He took eighteen free throws, and it felt like it should have been more. Yeah, well, and he took he took eighteen free throws, made fifteen of them. Rutgers as a team only took seventeen free throws. Yeah, that's good. 25 yeah. points on 11 field goal percent. Once again, can't shoot. Who <laughs> five yeah. from three? And 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 they were so close on like at least three of them. He was so so very close. And you gotta think that jumper's gonna come back to right? him. And we just we just <laughs> needed to come back in about two and a half yep. weeks. <laughs> that that is the scary impressive part about his game because you know it's coming. There is gonna be an avalanche of threes because we saw it for the first part of the year. Only he's getting better at everything else now. Um, I really like the pace again of his pick and roll drive. He's really good at getting the guy on his back hip and then he can just manipulate the entire court and everyone's getting a little better at working off of that. I thought Hunter was good again. I two of seven, two of seven's not great. Seven points. I thought he was aggressive, aggressive in the right areas. He's starting to play with pace and he's getting that little, little hesitation move down. Yeah. Uh, his drive all the way around Nash style. Exactly what I was going to point out. Yeah, went directly under the under the hoop. Uh, and I, did he find Edie on that one? Yes. And it, it just for a beautiful, easy dunk by Edie. Yeah, he pretty much was a snake charmer to the entire defense, rolled all the way around and found Edie for a dunk. That's a point guard that can create uh, all of a sudden just aggressive attacking the hoop. Even his misses at the hoop looks good. Uh, I am floored with his performance of late. Yeah. And. I know, I know we kind of brushed over uh, how great Jaden Ivey was, but I think it's worth at least talking about the dunk where I think he might have killed a man. Two men. Uh, if, Two men. Double homicide. <laughs> there, there, there might have been three around it's, him there. Uh, I mean, it was just amazing. And then the mean mug to the camera afterward, the fact that he just knew camera yeah. right there. <laughs> he's like, I know they're going to cut to this one, and let's just stare at the camera. Yeah. Uh, it was about one minute left in the first half where Purdue had just gone, started to go on their run to kind of pull away from Rutgers, and oh my goodness. It was something. So you watch these super explosive athletes, and usually it's like the first step looks boosted, and right. then they just coast. It's every one of his steps. I, I thought uh, a couple plays before, he had one fast break where he boosted past like four people. And then the dunk attempt he had in the paint where he missed it kind of got pushed from behind. I, he just goes at these supernova levels of athleticism and quickness. And then, yeah, the baseline dunk just rose up and you're like, can he get there? He right. can't get there. <laughs> There's no way he's going to, oh my Lord, he got there. And then, yeah, just you can't guard that. Ron Harper Jr. was on him all night almost. One of the best defenders in the country. Long, big, athletic, uh, you know, McConnell. None of them can stay with him no. in any capacity. Yeah, and I mean, obviously his shooting percentage, 5 of 11, not great. But man, he was just getting hammered every time he got into that lane. And, and he though he earned those 18 free throws. Yep, 25 points, 4 yeah. assists. Like, he is 
making buckets happen. Yeah. And to in you know, in all fairness, he still does have those lapses on defense, but when when you're playing the way he does on offense, you can you can live at, with those errors on defense because he's giving you more than he's taking away. So obviously, it would be when, nice if we saw just yeah, a little improvement. Just yes, a little course. more attention to detail. Uh, but we can we can handle it if it if it's necessary. So like you said, Ron Harper Jr. did play for uh, Rutgers. He had the hand taped up. Only wound up with 12 points, did not crush Purdue with the 30 like uh, he did in that first game. So no one from Rutgers really stood out as, as someone who was crushing Purdue. I mean, I guess McCoy, Mulcahy. Mulcahy's awesome. Yeah. I mean, He's he my was, favorite player in the Big Ten, not Purdue, to watch. Really? Okay, why? He's just this big, lumbering point guard that has great, great anticipation, uses his body to just kind of pause the court. Uh, much like the way he found Harper on that uh, baseline cut. Uh, he had six assists, six assists against us. I just, I, I like a left-handed point guard. I like a big point guard. And I like a guy who can just kind of pause the whole court because he's such a weird mismatch at the point guard spot. And he's really rocking that headband. I do like a headband. Uh, I, he wears it to me. It looks like it's getting a lot of pressure on those ears, man. They're, he's really pushing those ears out of the way. looks a little uncomfortable for me, but... <laughs> You know, I don't know. Maybe he—he he, it's working for him because he did. He played 33 minutes, 15 points. He did foul out at the end there, but uh, yeah, he—he he was trouble for Purdue. But um, and he played much better in this game than he did the first time uh, these two teams played. Yeah, uh, I don't, he's just fun, uh, a good piece. But I'm glad. Uh, are, are we thinning our rotation a little bit? I mean, you have to think so. I mean, Thompson only got nine minutes first, only got five. Morton got ten, uh, so he, he did move up. Uh, we talked about last last time you wanted to see him get more minutes and Thompson get fewer. Um, but now we're we're down to nine, and really we're we're basically down to to six and a half because I mean we've got our starting five. Trevion, of course, is always going to play. 20 minutes or so him and Edie get about half a game apiece. Um, Morton got double digits, but I mean, he's right there on the edge. So uh, of course, no Newman again. Um, he's still struggling to find his place, but I, I think these are going to be the nine guys you're going to see. And I think first and Thompson are slowly, slowly falling out. I expect first to play a lot against Michigan state. I th- it's a matchup dependent. Yeah, Rutgers so, is big, what but about not him? huge. What about first and what about Michigan State makes you think he's going to jump up and play more in this game? Uh, we need as many 6'10 bodies as possible. Uh, they run a 6'9 guy, 6'9 guy, 6'8 guy, 6'8 guy. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> so Okay, hey, no, no more Michigan State. Though. Right. We, we're focusing. Focus. Um, what, one thing I think is worth mentioning is Purdue did very well for the vast majority of the game against the Rutgers press. We made a yeah, few mistakes down the line, but it's much improved from, you know, where we were against Iowa at the beginning of the year. And I think that at least deserves a shout out. Yeah. Sasha made a pass like he uh, got distracted by his phone and then <laughs> saw a defensive lineman coming at him on Madden. She said, circle. Oh, no. <laughs> Come back. But I mean, there was a lot of a lot of movement. The the guys who didn't have the ball were were moving, were setting screens, were were you know throwing their hands up to get the ball. So there's definitely been some improvement in that area, and I think that is a necessary improvement because that's probably something Purdue's going to see in uh, March. Absolutely, we, it is very clear that the the major point that Painter emphasized with his guys: if we're being pressed. It's all ten, all five guys' responsibility. Yeah, to be yeah, 
Yeah, nobody gets to hang out in the backcourt mm-hmm. and and wait by the basket and hope for a for an easy dunk. Yeah. So that was big. That was good to see. And yeah, because Rutgers is a team that could definitely throw that at us. They've got length, anticipation. They're they're a good defensive team. So very encouraging to see. I it's hard to not feel like we're becoming that team again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, this was a game Purdue needed not only in the Big Ten standings, but also because of how they played against Rutgers the first time. I mean, I know that's an away game, and this is a home game, so you got to discount it a little bit. But to be able to improve uh, on a previous performance against a, a, a similar, or I mean, against an opponent you've already seen once, and then also to go against a Rutgers team that was red hot coming in and be able to beat them by double digits is is huge, I think, for the confidence of this team. And to go back to your earlier point, to be able to now have the rest before going to Michigan State is going to be huge. Five whole days. Yeah. That's so, unheard of this late in the season. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know how that happened, uh, making the schedule. It just seems odd to me. Well, it's it, I, it all has to do with the games that were missed earlier, I, I believe. And then other people having to get games moved around and tighter windows. And we didn't miss any games. Other teams did, so they've got to throw in more games late in the season. So do you think this was kind of a built-in part of the schedule by the Big Ten because they assumed games were going to be missed and they left kind of a gap there for some teams or maybe all teams? I don't know. I think it's a combo of that, and then I think every team just gets like two times in the conference schedule where they have where they only have the one game a week, and yeah. I think ours just happened to come late. Which is perfect. I mean, we this is what it. we need. So, yeah. All right. So anything else with this Rutgers game? Uh, any delicious passes by Trey you want to mention? I mean, if you want to talk about a way to end a game, he <laughs> he saw that setup. He could have just flicked that over there, but he's like, nah, we, yep. we're going to put some sauce on it. And just uh, so pretty, two-hand flush. It's We're starting to get our mojo back. We look yeah. loose before the game, having fun, dancing around, yelling. And when you end the game with a behind-the-back pass into a two-handed dunk, I, I'll sign up for that every day of the week. Me too. Me too. So is, I mean, is the accent getting to you? Is that what it is? The voice work? No, I I just wasn't sure what was happening there. We'll see. <laughs> uh, I'll listen to it tomorrow and see how it sounds on replay. Um, so I mean, this was a great performance by Purdue. Um, the time off is going to be great. So as we said, no looking forward to Michigan State. We're going to do that on Wednesday. Um, maybe by Wednesday too, we'll find out what happens to Juwan Howard and, uh, the Michigan players and maybe some folks on Wisconsin. So we'll see how that shakes out. We'll kind of hopefully talk about that on Wednesday, but if there's nothing else, I think, uh, we're going to wrap it up tonight. Thank you all for listening for Casey and myself. Let's boiler up folks and enjoy this time off. Enjoy a break. Boiler up.